Uh, today is our fifth week in our series, Great Stories. These are accounts from the Bible and books that we don't normally Many of them are like, for instance, today we're in 2 Chronicles 32. And 2 Chronicles is a really long deal. We'd be in that for probably about a year if we tried to do a series in 2 Chronicles. So what we're doing this time is we're doing some things that have been meaningful to us in our times of prayer and devotion. And, uh, you know, we want to teach the whole Word of God. So uh, the cool thing is we can hit awesome passages that we don't normally get to to uh, talk about. Our passages so far have covered the goodness of God, listening to right voices, real love, and who is Jesus. Today, as I said, we're in Chron Second Chronicles 32. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, we'll be uh, starting that in just a second here. And that's on God's protection and deliverance. Today we're talking about God's protection and deliverance. As uh, people in Minnesota know, it's snowing today, some big, heavy, wet flakes of snow, and they started about the time we needed to come to church. So uh, some of you maybe got to experience God's protection and deliverance on the way. So I'm glad you're all here. I'm glad God protected you as you drove. Now, what do you think? Here is a question. As you know, a lot of times we'll ask a question, and everybody out there is a free to answer. And... Uh, the question to start with today is, what do you think of when you hear protection and deliverance? Safety. Safety. Love. Love. Kind of like watching over me. God watching over you. Yeah. Help. All great answers, guys. It's all part of it. It's like God's preventing us from harm and injury. He's setting us free. He's rescuing us. All of this is really good. Uh, normally, what our lives should be like when we're following Jesus Christ. We think, you know, at the beginning here, when I started following Jesus Christ, there was a time of deliverance from stuff of the past. And then um, I should move forward into this future of blessings. Well, truthfully, our lives are filled with times where blessings and trials kind of coexist. There is no end to us needing God's protection and for Jesus to be our deliverer. So 2 Chronicles 32, let's read the first eight verses as we get into today's scripture. After all I saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wait. They gathered a things of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. 
for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Okay, so we learn from this that Hezekiah is a righteous king. It says that he faithfully followed God. Now, this is not because he had a great father. His father, King Ahaz, was an evil king. His father led the nation into idolatry and into sin. In 2 Chronicles 29, 1 and 2, though, it tells us that Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his forefather David had done. So when we're reading through 2 Chronicles, when we're reading chapters 29 to 31, 29 starts telling us about uh, Hezekiah. It, we read in all of this part that he repaired the temple of God. That Then he purified the temple of God so it was uh, able to be used again by the people. He reinstituted the daily sacrifices. And Hezekiah also started the nation celebrating again the feasts of the Lord. And he cut down and smashed the idols that had been put up by previous kings. It tells us in 2 Chronicles 31, verses 20 and 21, which are right before the, the portion we just read. It says, this is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God in everything he undertook in the service of God's temple in an obedience to the law and the commands. He sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. Well, we would think if it tells us that he prospered, that God was blessing him and that everything would be so good, you know, he'd go forward and, and it'd be peaceful and calm. But right after this, as we read in 32.1, it tells us that the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, came to invade his kingdom. And he invaded and laid siege to cities in Judah. Well, that's kind of like for us, even when things... Uh, what the, that we are doing are, are good, even when the things we're doing are right, when we're following Jesus and being obedient to him, the devil doesn't leave us alone. He sometimes comes and tries to attack us. He tries to knock us off course. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to be weary. And he looks for the weak points in each of us to attack us and even sometimes tries to take our lives. We learn in other parts of in historical documents that the king of Assyria spent four years dealing with the Babylonian rebellion at the same time as he was trying to invade and conquer Judah. So because of this, it took a while. It took about four years for him to come. Once uh, the king of Judah, once Hezekiah heard he was coming, it was about four years until he got there. And so during this time, it says that Hezekiah consulted his officials and his military staff. He wanted to prepare and protect the city as much as he could. And they decided, Hezekiah decided with his officials to block off the water from the springs that went outside the city. And they didn't want the Assyrians to have an advantage. They didn't want the Assyrians to be able to come and stop the water that the city needed. In verse 4, as we read it, you notice that it said that a large force of men assembled and they blocked all the springs. 
And one of the things that they actually did was reroute the Gihon Spring and have it come into the city instead of going out into the valley to water all the agricultural crops. So they did this thing where they tunneled underground to channel the fresh water into the city and it's still there today. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. You can visit it if you visit Israel and it is the only year-round source of water for them. It ends in the Pool of Siloam. And that is a place, I know that name is familiar to, to you, that's a place where Jesus healed a man in his ministry. The men in Hezekiah's uh, time here, the men here started using their pickaxes from each end of the tunnel that they were trying to build, and they had no modern equipment. Just these pickaxes. They were stone workers. They were masons. They were picking at the rock with pickaxe to chop through and build this tunnel. And uh, it, how they met in the middle, and you'll see a video in just a second, how they met in the, met in the middle is amazing. Let's see this video. We are now in the Gihon Spring. It contains the enormous amount of water. Prior to Hezekiah's rule, all this water flowed outside the city through irrigation channels to the fields of the people and to the king's gardens. When he prepared Jerusalem for the Assyrian siege, Hezekiah worried that the mighty army of Assyria would camp outside the city walls, gaining access to the city's water source. He decided to prevent their use of the water by blocking and sealing the springs outside the city, including the Gihon Spring. He diverted the spring's water into an underground tunnel, which had been quarried into the heart of the mountain. Two groups of masons worked towards each other from both sides, and met in the middle of the tunnel. And the water flowed from the source to the pool. The tunnel ends at the pool of Siloam, which was inside the city, behind protective walls. The account of this engineering wonder is mentioned explicitly in the Bible, but is also documented in the Shiloh inscription, which was discovered six meters from the end of the tunnel. This is a copy of the inscription written in ancient Hebrew letters. It describes the dramatic moment when the two groups met inside the tunnel. The masons were swinging their axes one towards the other, and they heard the voice of one man calling his fellow. And on the day of the tunneling the masons bore through, one man towards his fellow, axe upon axe, and the water flowed from the source to the pool for 1,200 cubits. Isn't that amazing? Uh, it tells us that they worked hard to prepare the city. And part of it was this amazing tunnel that you can still see today. And uh, it tells us that King Hezekiah worked hard. He did a lot of stuff. And he didn't just pray, although prayer was part of it. He looked around and he saw some places that needed to be fortified. And in preparation for the Assyrian attack. Hezekiah, it tells us, pushed westward and retook land that had lost in the days of his father. He, and here's a partial list of what he did. It said that he had them repair all the... They didn't want any part of the wall open where the enemy could just easily get through and come in and take over the city. And that's kind of like what we need to do when we are under attack. Find where our lives might have an access point to the enemy. Where's that weak point? And close that door to his in influence in your life. It could be something personal, 
for you or it could be something generational. And if you feel that you need to close those doors to those attacks of the enemy, uh, set up an appointment with us. This is something that we pray with people about regularly. God intends that you live in freedom and these hindrances should be dealt with in your life. Hezekiah also built towers on the wall. And this was so they could see in the distance. They could see off and know when the enemy was coming, they would be prepared. There needed to be watchmen on the wall. And today, like in our church, these are prophetic people with gifts, people with gifts of knowledge who can see danger approaching and warn us to be in prayer. They can tell us we need to be seeking God and make sure that there's nothing that will allow the enemy to be victorious over us. In your life, you also need to watch over your own spiritual life. Uh, you need to pray and read God's word daily. Make sure that you say no to any temptation to do anything sinful or that isn't good. And ask God for wisdom and discernment in your life. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be in you and warn you of the attacks of the enemy. He also built a second wall, it tells us, outside of the first one. It was a much bigger area that was covered there. He, he doubled the protection of the city. He added another layer of wall, which was about 20 feet thick. Can you imagine? 20 feet thick. This was a massive, massive wall. And it expanded the walled portion of Jerusalem toward that western hill and made room for the growing population because people... They knew that this was coming too, not just the king. So people were streaming to the city so they could find protection. And as this king of Assyria was attacking other cities, refugees would come pouring in. He built that second wall for more space and more protection. And it tells us also he reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. Now the city of David, that's that ancient part of Jerusalem. And uh, that old part that David, when David was the king, that he had fortified. And this is for us like core truths and values in our walk with God. And we need, as we're following Jesus, we need to see that this is critical to the support of all we do in our life. To revisit those basic things of faith. Make sure that we're good with God each day and understand what we have in him. Then it tells us King Hezekiah made large numbers and abundance of weapons and shields. And we need to put on our God each day. Remember we talked about the first week of this series about the armor of God, the spiritual weapons that we need to fight off the attacks of the enemy. To advance in our faith, to be victorious, we need to put on God's truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace. Salvation, the Spirit, the Word of God, and prayer. These are our spiritual weapons and shields. And then he appointed military officers over the people. See, there's a blessing for having wise people over you, letting you know what to do. These uh, military officers would help the people in the time of the attack to mobilize them, to get them where they should be. And that is what leaders help us do in, in our churches and in our faith, to help us know what God is speaking, to help us be where we need to be to be safe, to do what we need to do to be safe. Hezekiah then had the people assembled before him in the city square, and he encouraged them. 
And if you look at the ancient Hebrew for what it, what it says that he did there, it says that he spoke to their hearts. That is so cool. What he had to say didn't just encourage them. It resonated within their hearts. It transformed the situation for all of them. And there uh, was suddenly a situation where they could trust the Lord. We can do that too. We can encourage people around us when things are difficult, not just with kind words, but with truth, with the truth of God. The truth can give confidence. That's what transforms lives. There's a confirmation in our hearts when we hear truth. And real leaders cast vision. Hezekiah was a real leader. He didn't just go hide out. He called the people together and cast the vision for what God would do for them. He inspired and encouraged them. Real leaders do this so that we can get through difficult times. So what about God's protection and deliverance? Well, what can we do when the enemy attacks us? First, we need to trust in God's power. Hezekiah told them, be strong and courageous. This reminded me so much of Joshua back in the first chapter of the book of Joshua as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This is seven years early, 700 years earlier. And here is Hezekiah saying kind of the same thought. Be strong and courageous. Strengthen yourself. Be bold. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Don't be fearful. Don't be shattered because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. Vast here, when you look that up, it means multitudes. This was a massive army coming against the nation. And he's telling him, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear of that situation. Be strong. Be courageous. And we're thinking, yeah, that's a great thought. <laughs> but there's a multitude out there coming. And we could think, yeah, that's a great thought for us. Uh, like, uh, don't be afraid of the violence. Or... <laughs> Don't be afraid of the pandemic. Don't be afraid of not having enough money or enough food. Strengthen yourself. Be bold. Which all sounds good, but it does actually sound difficult to do unless you know the rest of what Hezekiah had to say. It was not just strength for them to be strong. He says, for there is a greater power with us than with him. It doesn't matter that it's a vast army, that it's a multitude of people. There is a greater power with us because with him is only the arm of flesh. It's only human power. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. That Hebrew word there is Yahweh Elohenu. The Lord Almighty was with them. The Lord God who has promised that he will protect us and care for us is with us when we follow him. We don't have to depend on our strength. They didn't have to depend on their strength, but to depend on the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We, t we sang about the goodness and faithfulness of God this morning because his word says he is faithful and we have found that to be true in our lives when we follow him. And Hezekiah goes beyond that and, and he doesn't just say that God's with us, but he says, hey, he will fight our battles. That is amazing. How can Hezekiah say this? What do you think? 
experience. He had seen God bringing victory. Yes, and he's spent time, obviously, with the Lord. He knows who God is, and he knows the promises of God, and he had a revelation probably from God about this very situation. Psalm 112 says, They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. That was Hezekiah. His heart was steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 27 says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This is Hezekiah. Why he could say this to the people. This was a word from the Lord to the people. The king had heard from God and he encouraged his people. And the people gained confidence, it tells us. They were strengthened by his words. So let's read the next part now and see what happens next in this account. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence? That you will remain in Jerusalem under siege. When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of He's misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Do you not know what I and my predecessors have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed has been able to save his people from me. How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Sennacherib's officers spoke further against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, saying this against him, just as the gods of the peoples of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the they spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of other peoples of the world, the work of human hands. So this brings us to our second point. First, we need to trust God. And then second, don't believe the lies of the enemy about your situation. See, the enemy here, the king and all his forces from Assyria, doesn't leave those people alone. He doesn't come and attack. He sends his officers to Jerusalem while his people are laying siege to Lachish. And they have a message for the people and for the king, Hezekiah, and it's a part of the way that they wage war. They're seeking to intimidate them. They're seeking to show force. They're seeking to make them question and doubt themselves. This message that I just read that the, the king of Assyria sent is full of lies. This is an attack just like the one that Satan wages against us each day. 
See, the enemy, the devil wants us to be intimidated. He tries to convince us that we don't have any power of our own and we can't trust God and God can't save you. Your situation is too dire. It is too difficult. Forget it. You'll never get free. That's the lie of the enemy regularly to us. So what are some areas that the devil lies to us about? What do you think? Finances. Finances, yeah. Relationships. Relationships. Work. Work. Help. Struggles. Struggles. Yes. On and on. The list you could list forever. Every part of our lives. He knows what he can use against you personally, and that's where he's going to attack you. And, and especially devastating is when he tries to make you believe that God can't you, and God can't get you through this. All of this is lies. The officer says, the king is misleading you to say that the Lord will save us. The Assyrians, they're actually twisting the words here of Hezekiah. They're trying to say that those words are not true. That's fake news. You shouldn't believe it. 1 Peter 5.8, though, says, Be alert and of sober mind. That means be sensible. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that's what these people were doing. They were looking for a nation to devour. They must have had somebody spying to know what Hezekiah had told his people. They had sent some undercover agents ahead, and they're prowling around looking for who they may devour. The mistake that the Assyrians made was this, though. They thought the almighty God, Yahweh Elohenu, was the same as little statues that other people had made statues and tributes that they had made in other nations to false gods. And to say he can't save you. They don't know who Almighty God is. They don't know his character. They don't know his ways. And they spoke further against the Lord God and the king. They called out in Hebrew to the people. The reason they called out in Hebrew, they were, if we read in other passages that are of this same account, uh, the people say, don't speak in Hebrew. The officers who were, you know, assigned to all the people, the officers say, don't speak in Hebrew, speak in Aramaic. We don't want the people to hear. And they're like, no, we want the people to hear this. So they spoke in Hebrew. And the reason they did that was they were trying to terrify the people. If they could get the people terrified, if they could get the people worried, then they thought, well, this will be an easy thing here. We'll be able easily to take care of these people. We'll speak to their fears. We'll speak to them in lies that they will receive. And that's how the devil tries to do it to you too, to sell us his lies. He tries to make us think that it sounds like our thoughts in the language that we think about things, our own fears, our own issues, things that we deal with, fear about life or anxiety, or depression. He tries to make us believe that it's us thinking that. Those lies that he tries to sell us. And the thing is, these are demonic spirits trying to get you to receive the lies of the enemy. Fear is not a good thing. If you are living in fear, you need to understand that this is an attack of the devil. And so many people are struggling with fear today. Even followers of Jesus Christ are. I have an example from my own life many years ago when I was younger, obviously. Uh, 
Every time I was in the mountains or in a high place or when I spoke in front of a crowd or I would sing in front of groups, uh, other things too in this, uh, would, I would be fearful. And it would keep me from doing things and from enjoying my life. Well, about 15 years ago, I received some ministry and I was set free from that. I went through an appointment, a prayer ministry appointment like what we offer here at our church and prayed through the things that the enemy was using to attack me. And we could close those doors to that influence. Yes, the enemy can still come against us and attack us, but let's not leave an open spot in the wall for him to just walk right in and bother us, right? So some things were personal, some things were generational, but we prayed through it and I was freed from that. I no longer have to accept that spirit of fear. If the enemy tries to get me to be fearful about something, I don't have to receive it. I can say no. That's a lie. I'm not receiving that. And God's word, I can quote that to him. I can say God's word tells me I don't have a spirit of fear. I have power, love, and a sound mind. And my sound mind says I don't have to receive that. I surrender that to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. I remind myself of the verses that the Bible has to be able to walk out that freedom. And I ask God instead, Fill me, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit, with your peace, with your strength, and with your power. See, Satan only has power over you if you let him, if you agree with his lies. Don't receive those. I mean, what if these people who had heard this all in, in their language, if they had said, well, yeah, that sounds right. What if they believed it and received it? They would have lost the war. We must not accept the attacks and the lies of the enemy. We need to break agreement and fellowship with them. We need to surrender them to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to wash that off of us and fill us with his Holy Spirit. If we don't do this, if we allow that spirit of fear to mess with us and receive those lies of the enemy, it will paralyze us in our faith. It will hinder us in our walk with God because our focus will not be then on the things of the Lord. It will be on the things we fear. Our focus needs to be on him, on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it sounds pretty dire right now. All these people standing outside the walls, yelling at them and telling them stuff uh, from Assyria. What happens next? We'll turn back to our portion today, 2 Chronicles 32, and let's read verses 20 through 23. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and all the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And he, when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. 
Okay, so it tells us that King Hezekiah heard about it, obviously, and he and the prophet Isaiah go to the Lord in prayer. This is a power of the prayer of agreement, like in our January spiritual focus here. There's power in prayer. There's breakthrough in prayer. And to just give us a little more uh, information about this thing of crying out in prayer, let's turn also to Isaiah chapter 37 and read verses 14 through 20. You would think that if Isaiah was there with Hezekiah and praying out, to the Lord, crying out to the Lord, that he would have recorded it, and he did. It tells us, uh, Isaiah 37, 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. So he takes this letter and he brings it into the temple of God. He comes in prayer before God and lays this letter out before God and says, God, look, this is what's before us. Look at what they're saying about you. Look at what they're doing. Lord, we lay this out before you. And they prayed and cried out to God. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That means that if you are following Jesus Christ, if you are living a righteous life, if you're not living in sinful ways, if you're following God, and, and yeah, we goof up from time to time, but the general traje trajectory of your life is righteousness and doing well and following him, that means your prayers can be powerful and effective. And that's the truth of Hezekiah. It said that he was following the Lord and doing what was right. And he and Isaiah called out and there were powerful, effective prayers. In the New Testament, we see this about the early church. It says, after they, meaning the church, prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It was shaken. The power of prayer was so powerful and effective that the building under the presence of God shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah prayed and cried out to God. Yes, this was a scary situation. Yes, this was not something that they would say was an evidence of God's blessing while it was going on. But they didn't live in fear. They knew that the arm of the Lord was powerful and would deliver them. In fact, they knew based on what God had revealed to them that God would help them fight this battle. They did not have to worry. They could trust in him. Isaiah 59.1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Isaiah and Hezekiah knew this by experience, that God answered prayer. They saw him do things on behalf of them and the nation. God heard them and answered them. 
And it says that God sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and the officers in the camp. An angel went and fought the battle. <laughs> this is really encouraging to me. Israel didn't even have to go out. They didn't even have to march into the camp. God sent an angel there to kill off all of the troops. That's amazing. That means God will protect us. And he sometimes does supernatural things. Sometimes he even sends an angel. When we follow Jesus, we do not need to fear. We can trust in God's protection and his deliverance. It says, God cut down every mighty man of valor and the leaders and the captains in the camp of Assyria so that the king withdrew in disgrace. I guess if you're the only guy left, that would be a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> you came with multitudes. You leave by yourself. Okay. He left and went back, and it tells us then that his own sons killed him in the temple of the idols. He obviously found out that God, the almighty God, Yahweh Elohenu, was not the same as idols made by hands. He was the almighty God, the one true God. The Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the king of Syria. And if you listened or read in there as we went, it says, and from the hand of all others. So at this time, God has put a shield around them where not only was the king of Assyria not able to attack them and, and destroy them, but the hand of all others was held back at that time as well. And it says, he, the Lord God, took care of them on every side. This is also translated, the Lord guided them. He brought them to a place of rest and refreshing. After you and I face trials, there is a time of coming close to the Lord for that time of refreshing, for that place of renewing after a trial. And today, we have an opportunity to pray and ask for protection and deliverance of the Lord during our trials and fears. We can trust in God's power when we follow Jesus Christ. We must not believe the lies of the enemy about our situation, no matter how difficult it is. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. And third, what we need to do is cry out to the Lord in prayer. Would you stand with me and we'll close. Just ask you to bow your heads here as we close. How many of you would say that you're dealing with a trial or with fear about something today? Just raise your hand if that's you. Okay. What we're going to do today is we're going to cry out to God for help. For us, for us spiritually, for us physically, for us emotionally, whatever it is that you're going through, we're going to cry out to the Lord for help today. So, Lord God, we just cry out to you for help. Just ask you, Lord God, to touch our situation. And now, personally, just between you and God, break agreement and fellowship with any lies of the enemy. If it's fear, if it's anxiety, if it's some bad health thing, whatever it is, just break agreement and fellowship with the lies of the enemy over you. 
Whatever tool of the enemy is being used against you, just surrender that to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Just do that right now. Now ask Jesus to just wash you clean from it. Just wash that off of you. Lord Jesus, just wash that off of us. Anything the enemy's been using against us, Lord, we just ask that you wash that off of us. Thank you, God. And now ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, with his power and his strength. Lord God, we just thank you that we don't have to receive those lies of the enemy, that we can instead receive your protection and your deliverance. Lord, we don't want to receive anything the enemy is trying to do against us. We instead, Lord, break any fellowship, any agreement with it, and we submit it to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you take that off of us. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, give us your strength and your power. As we go through these times, Lord, we know that we don't get an exemption where we don't have to go through tough times. But as we go through these tough times, Lord, help our focus to be on you. Not on fear, not on anxiety, not on worry, not on the issues there, Lord, but help us to focus on you. Help us to see your protection through all of this. Help us to see that your word is true for us in our lives. Help us to see that you will deliver us, just like David said in the Psalms. He said, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me and you're going to get me through it. You're going to bring me out and you're going to set me at a table in the presence of my enemies and you're going to pour oil on me and feed me all this good food. Lord God, your, your uh, mercy is with me. That's what David said. Help us, Lord, to have that same perspective that no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening in our lives, Lord, that we can count on you to protect us and deliver us when we follow you. Help us, Lord, to turn over our lives to you, to be able to be faithful to you. And, Lord, give us what we need. People have said today the trials that they are going through, the things that they are encountering. Lord God, I pray that they would sense your presence with them. As we come before you and we lay it out on the altar, before you, Lord God, and say, this is what the enemy is doing. This is what is coming against us. Lord, help us then to turn to you and say, Lord, we receive your protection. We receive your deliverance. Give us, Lord, your power. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to walk out our faith in you. Thank you, Father. And help us be ready and willing to share with others what you're doing in our lives, too. Thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen.